0: We're glad to be sharing the ministry of Tabernacle of Praise with you. Now join us as we receive the Word of God.
1: Turn with me, if you would, to John chapter 17. John chapter 17. It's good to see everybody tonight. Man, we, obviously you can tell by me that we got some sunshine today. So, man. John chapter 17. I want to talk tonight about... The dividing lines in our lives, the dividing lines in our lives. So let's read John. John 17 is in in the midst of. <clears throat> when you look at John 17, you have to back up and go back to 14. There's like 117 verses of discourse from Jesus from John 14 to about John 18. 117 verses of discourse. What's discourse? Well, he's talking about different things. Uh, different things uh, spiritually, different things physically, different things life-wise, different things that are going to happen with Him, with with the disciples, with the world. And so in this, we're going to take a portion. We're going to talk about the dividing lines of our lives. So John chapter 17, let's let's begin with verse 6, and we're going to read through verse 19. A little bit lengthy, but I have manifested thy name unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world. Thine they were, and thou givest them to me, and they have kept thy word. Now they have known that all things whatsoever thou hast given me are of thee. For I have given unto them the words which thou gavest me, and they have received them, and have known surely that I came out from thee, and they have believed that thou didst send me. Verse 9 says, I pray for them. And so here, let me stop for a second. In the midst of this discourse is a prayer. That Jesus has for his disciples. And he says, I pray for them. I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me, for they are thine, and all mine are thine, and thine are mine, and I am glorified in them. And now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world, and I am I am come to thee. Holy Father, keep through thine own name those who thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Those that thou gavest me I have kept, and none of them is lost, but the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled, and now come I to thee, and these things I speak unto the world, that they might have my joy fulfillment in themselves. Notice as we reach it, we're, we're gonna go down to verse 19. But notice as he's as he's praying, and he's and as he's we'll see as he's talking, it seems to go into a variance of different an array of different things, all in the same prayer. I have given them thy word. And the world hath hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but thou shouldest keep them from the evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through thy word, or through thy truth. Thy word is truth. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so I also send them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself, that they may also be sanctified through the truth. Have you ever thought about dividing lines in your life? Dividing line. What is a dividing line? We all have dividing lines in our life, and our life is filled with dividing lines. Dividing lines aren't so much a way of marking time uh, or the remembering of an event in your life. A lot of times we, we look at things and we say, that that's the point I did this, and that's the point I did that. It's not so much that, but dividing lines are really not so much the event itself, but it's that, threshold of moments where we question pretty much everything we believe you ever come to a place in your life where you stop and said now God and you start questioning what you believe you start questioning everything that you've gone through you start questioning your life for God you start questioning your life that God's given you that's what dividing lines is it's not so much the event itself but it's the very fact that you you start backtracking and looking you know you look at the priorities and values you've had And now that this has happened, I'm not so sure my priorities and values were the right, or you might say, I'm glad I had those. Uh, You know, how we live and relate, the things that really matter in time, where where we want to invest our time, our energy, what we truly want out of our life. Uh, Dividing lines bring a place where we question all this stuff. You ever question whether you're in the right job? Did I choose the right career? Did I choose the right husband or wife? (laughs) Do you? There are all kinds of questions that we go through in our life and dividing lines are a point where we come to a place where we question those and then there's got to, something's got to happen. It can't remain as it is. Something has to happen. It's when you question who you are. Have you ever done that? You question who you are. Why Why am I here? What, what, what am I doing here? You know, have you ever questioned what you want? You want know, to at least nod so I know you're not sleeping. Okay. You ever question your life what you want? Has, has, has what you want in your life ever changed? It changes when you come to a dividing line. That's what dividing lines are. Those places where we make, there's places where we have changes in our life. Uh, you ever question what you've done? We, why did I do this? That's probably one of the most, one of the biggest sayings in a teenager's life And is hey, watch this. Because after that, man, it all (laughs) kicks loose. You know, when you hear that from a teenager, you need to run. Because right after that, they say, why did I do that? But we do that. Listen, we talk about teenagers doing that. But we do that through our life. Uh, You ever question whether your life really makes a difference or really? You ever question that? You ever just stop for a minute and say, you know, I'm here and there's over 8 billion people in the world. There's over 300 million people in the United States. Does my life really count? Is what I'm doing, does it really matter? I must be the only one. Your pastor must be thoroughly confused about what his life is, what's happening in his life. No, what I recognized in in my study, what I recognized was that there are various times, and I began to look at it, and there's a numerous amount of times where I had dividing lines, where I came to a point where I had to make a decision about what was going on in this particular circumstance, I had to do something about it. Uh, The thing is, there's no right way to answer any of these questions. The questions I just posed, there's really no right way to answer these questions. And it's the process of life where you work things out to get clarity in your life. That's really what dividing lines come to be. They're the processes in your life. You're trying to get clarity. You know that, that's part of what we want to do in our life. We want to get clarity about our life. And so, as we're reading here in Jesus's farewell of disclosure, it's the night of the Last Supper here in our reading. It's the night Jesus washes the disciples' feet. It's the night he has this lengthy discussion about his upcoming death. He talks about what's going to happen with his disciples. There's a variation of things that he talks about, and through this discourse we get some insight on what's going on inside of Jesus. When you read this, you'll you'll recognize, we understand this about the Lord, the only man to ever exist that was man and God. There's no other man has ever existed like that. What throws a lot of people off about when they read Scripture is they read and it appears that he's either man or God, but he's not both. When, it, when in fact, the Scripture teaches us that he was both man and God, the only man to ever exist that way. And so in that, it's, sometimes it seems like it's confusing as to what he's saying or asking, doesn't it? Well, if he's man and God, why is he asking the Father this, and why is he this? So let's just talk about that because a lot of what questions Jesus asks are kind of your conversations you have with yourself. You ever had a conversation with yourself? If you if you say no, you're either a zombie. We all have these conversations with ourselves. I have the best ones when I'm by myself. Yeah, I can lie to myself. I can tell myself off. I can tell myself, man, you're the biggest idiot in the world. Or I can say, man, you're a great guy. All of those are meaningless. (laughs) But we have those conversations with ourselves. It's just part of our life. Uh, Some of you are laughing, so I'm not going to ask. I was going to ask what conversations have you had, but I'm not going to ask that question. That could get real out there really quick. So we kind of learn through what we just read. And we're going to back up in the, in the book of John a little bit because we want to talk about dividing lines. Uh, you know, a lot of times we don't recognize what they are. There's many times you've gone through dividing lines in your life and you didn't recognize that this was a line. It's, this divided what I was and it's bringing me to where I'm going or what I am. You know, we, we, in Christianity we always talk about this. Never forget where you came from, right? Never forget where you came from. That's good. But here's the other side of it we don't talk about. Never forget where you're going. We don't talk about that a lot because, because we reflect more on where we came from than where we're going. And it's important that we know both. And so John 13 and 21 says Jesus was troubled in his spirit because one of those that he had chosen was going to betray him. So we know that Jesus was troubled in his spirit. John 14 and 8 says Philip said to Jesus, Show us the Father and we'll be satisfied. You know, prove yourself, Jesus, and we'll be fine. Prove who you are, and we'll be fine. And what did Jesus say? Have I not been with you all this time? You still don't know who I am? You you get that scripture, right? Show us the Father. And Jesus said, you don't recognize? Really? I wonder if Jesus was questioning, because when he said, you know, if you don't, Really, all this time, you really don't know who I am? I'm wondering if Jesus was questioning, because, again, let me stop here for a second, because we're not demeaning Jesus at all. But understand, He was full human. He was full man. Understand that He was full God. And so there's a man, a human side, and there's a God side. And understand that in this human side, there were questions. There were answers. So let's keep looking at it. So I just wondered if He, at this point, wonders... You know, have I succeeded in my goal of getting these men ready? Because I'm about to leave. And so now they're asking me this question when, in fact, I've been with them all this time. Man, let me take a step back. Let me take a step back. Is this this really what's going on? He says in that verse 15, if you love, in verse 15 of that same chapter, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Here's the word we missed the whole time. What's the first word? If. If, if, was Jesus not sure if they loved him or not? We read that sometimes, and we don't pick up on things about Jesus. If you love me, keep my commandments. Was he not sure they loved him? I mean, now, he's sure of one thing. In chapter 15, verse 18, he's very sure of this thing. He said, the world hated me. He's very sure about that thing. He, The world hated me. He also knows in chapter sixteen, verse thirty-two, that he's going to be abandoned. So all of these things are going through this, this. I call it a concourse of, or a litany of question and answer, question and answer. When you go through chapters fourteen through eighteen, there's all this dynamic of different directions that Jesus asks and talks, and uh, you know he sounds kind of like he's human. He sounds kind of like he's a man. If so, the context of the prayer of Jesus in our reading wasn't "Oh God, help me, please do this." That wasn't when we read his prayer. He said, "I." He said, "I." I verse nine: "I pray for them." His prayer was not, "Oh no, they're not equipped. They're not ready." I, I, I didn't. You know that didn't happen. That wasn't it. That's not what he prayed at all. But when we read that, it seems as though. Jesus is rambling. You are thinking that about me right now, I can tell, because some of you smiled. It seems as though Jesus was rambling as he was talking. That's the appearance now. His prayer almost sounds confusing, like hard to understand. Do you know why? Do you know why it appears to us he's rambling, why it appears to us it's confusing, why it's hard to understand? Because we see Jesus on the God side, but we very rarely look at him on the man side. That was the human side of him not to demean God at all but understand this there's a there's the human side of God of, of Jesus that we don't look at why is that because I'll tell you why it is because we're going afraid we're going we're afraid we're going to see something we don't want to see that's why we don't that's why we sometimes when you you talk you, this person you like them and this and that and then they say hey, let's go to this and you you won't go with them and do it with them because you're afraid you're going to see something about them you don't want to see you like them the way you know them you ever had a person like that in your life? I have. I was afraid this person's gonna let me down. They're gonna be not what they appear to be. And lo and behold, you know what happens, right? Not only did they let me down, I let them down. Because they're seeing a person. And that's the thing about when we look at Jesus, we're we're so attuned and so and this is not to demean who he is, but it's to understand that he showed us a side of humanity that we need to understand. Because if he was if he was tempted in all like manner, yet without sin. It wasn't the God side that was tempted. God can't be tempted. Nothing tempts God. It's not that someone can't tempt God. But God God can't succumb to temptation. It doesn't ring His bell at all. It's not a part of, does that make sense? When Jesus was tempted three times by Satan in the desert, each time it was what? The physical aspect, the male, the man. Yeah, hey, I'll offer you, I'll give. the, The devil was offering things he couldn't even offer him. But at the same time, he, he was he was reaching. We understand that's why Jesus fasted for forty days. Yeah, so so that, that that the man side of him wouldn't give in to that, that it would allow the God, and that's that's the reason why that we we fast today, is because in us resides the Holy Ghost, and if we don't fast like we should, and it's important because it's a tool. Fasting is not. Let me. Yeah, this is not part of my deal, but let me say this we've been taught for years that fasting if i want to get an uh, if i want to get a new home i'm going to fast for certain days that god'll stop stop fasting is a spiritual tool that, sub- that puts your flesh into subjection fasting is not a tool used to get something for your flesh that makes okay See, so there's been a lot of business going on for a long time in church about fasting that fasting is not to get something it is a spiritual weapon and that's why Jesus was over each time. What did he say? It, it is written. He went to the God side of it. He didn't say, I am the Messiah. I am the Savior. He didn't do that. It is written. He went to the God side of it. So we have to understand something, that there's the God side always re- prevailed in Jesus' life, but there was a man's side. If Jesus could not fall to s- subject to sin, then the whole point of being the Savior is mute. The the opportunity for him to be subject to that and fall to it, the man's side, is why he was the perfect sacrifice. I mean, just just stop for a second and think. If he he couldn't have fallen into that temptation, then the point of the temptation is useless. You understand that, right? Well, you all looking at me like, Because we don't think about, we want to think about the God side. We just don't like to talk about the man side. But Jesus gave us the aspects of his man side so that we can be overcomers, that we can be power in the spirit, that we can have all, you know, we can understand word, all these things. Uh, So it seems as though Jesus kind of goes back and forth, and, and he does. But the whole thing is, it seems that way because we're looking from one side. So let's look from the man side a little bit. Have you ever had those kind of conversations with God? Conversations where you think out loud? You ever had those? You know, we're supposed to pray. pray, Okay. What am I thinking right now? Anybody? What am I thinking? Come on, come on, come on, come on. Huh? Yeah, that was close. You don't know what I'm thinking. You know why? Because we're not having a conversation. All I'm doing is thinking. Prayer is not a thought. Prayer is a conversation. It's a conversation. You talk to God, God talks back. That's another part of prayer. Remember that. Because many people come to the altar, sit down, and i do this and get up walk off. They never let God talk to them. And God's at the altar going, I mean, he doesn't do that. But you understand, that's a, the premise of it. Like, well, I was about to, you know, what you asked for, I was about to talk to you about it. But you walked off. So understand that about prayer; it's a conversation. But it's nice to have conversation when both of you are. It's not a conversation if both of you are not right conversing. It's not a conversation. So it's just a dictatorship. So, so have you ever had those out loud? You you know conversations with with yourself and with God. Have you ever you ever wrestled with your own life out loud? You ever done that? You know, I can't believe I did this, and I can't. You know, I'm I'm now I'm stuck in this. And I'm I'm never going to get out of this because I made this. Have you ever made some statements to God and made some, asked some questions to God? Not not that you would reveal here. Have you ever made some statements to God? You would never reveal to us. You haven't. Well, I'm sorry, but your pastor has. I've made statements to God and asked him questions. I would never, ever let you know that I said or asked. Too personal. It's too personal. Also, would be embarrassing. Because I've sometimes made statements to God that were, you know, there's a reason why that Job never charged God foolishly. God doesn't have a problem with you making a statement or asking a question as long as you're not charging God foolishly, as long as you're not doing it out of foolishness. And oftentimes what we see is we approach God in foolishness or foolery. What does it mean to fool somebody? Trick them. So how easy is it to fool God? It's not, because you can't. Have you ever asked God some questions that later on you thought, man, he's going to strike me dead for asking that question? That's not the business of God. He wants that conversation. That's why we see this litany of things that Jesus, he wants us to have this conversation with him. Your conversation, uh, you ever had a conversation that went all, all over the board with God? You started asking God this but you wound up way over here talking about this. All you know, these are all listen, understand why this prayer was like this. Jesus was showing his disciples what it means to converse humanity to God. That you're gonna go all over the place. There are things that are gonna you're gonna say some things, you're gonna wonder some things. Uh you ever ask a question that made no sense after you ask it? Asking God. I'm just asking God, I mean uh. Quite frankly, some of y'all have asked me some questions that made no sense, but I'm not talking about that. So, If you ever ask God a question, and then later on you went, why did I ask that? or I guess I'm the only one messed up. <laughs> you ever ask God a question, and then you contradicted it a little bit later in the same conversation? you <laughs> What's happening and all that? Listen, what you're looking for is clarity. What Jesus was trying to show them was clarity, but what he was trying to show them was a way to find clarity. Let's let's keep going. Here's, Here's a critical, see if I can say this correctly. There are times when we go to Jesus and we pray, and we pray to him as a friend, but most often we go to Jesus and pray to him, As God. Do you all understand what I'm saying? You see, in Christendom and in the world, there's a fear of God. And so often people will go and pray to God in that fear. They're they're not sure how to ask what to say. They're not sure if I should say this. There's a fear. But when you learn to pray every time as a friend, because Jesus told his disciples, you're no longer my servants. You're no longer servants. You're my friends. There's an intent in that, not just to take you from here to here. There's an intent of, of conversation that God wants to have with you, but it has to be on the friend level. We we can't touch Him on the God level. Look, let me, I get, you can't touch Him on the God level. God's too, His ways are not our ways, the Scripture says. His thoughts are not our sor- His intent. None no, of that. We can't touch Him on that level. That's another reason He came as a, a human so that we could, he knows our infirmity. He was touched with our infirmities. And so he, he knows that. And so he, that's how we can we can be touched. and pr- Talk to him like a friend. Don't go to him scared. Even if you've done something very drastic and very what you consider bad, don't go to him scared. And that's what he's trying to show his disciples in this.
0: I was, I was just going to say, um, in that same regard, it's important to understand that that fear is not we shouldn't be scared but there is it'd be okay to say the fear as far as the respect and reverence which is what the word teaches us to have that fear of god it's a reverence it's a respect right. uh... my mama used to always tell me I'm, I'm your mama not your friend and so but there was a meaning behind it i can go to my mother for anything and i can talk to my mother about anything but there's always a respect that i'm not going to right. disrespect her Like I would talk to somebody else Mm -hmm. that would be considered, quote, unquote, a friend or something like that. Right.
1: Because, uh, you know, there's the problem with the, you know, fear God thing is that a lot of people fear afraid of God. uh, And and there's a lot of people that fear, but they don't even fear God. And what does that mean? It's not that they're not afraid of him. They don't respect him. And, And so that's one of the things. And you're correct. We should always go to God with respect. That should be the norm. But you know what? I've got a lot of friends, and I never disrespect them. If I've got to ask them a question, ask for help, or ask them a thing, I don't go up and disrespect them, and then, because why? Well, here on earth, when you do that to your friends, they'll take you down to the ground, or they won't help you, or they'll say, listen, I would have if you hadn't have been that way. But, But we always come to God with respect in that friendship manner. There's nothing better than having a friend you can go to respectfully and ask something, and they. nothing better than that. There's a security in that. You know, it sounds like Jesus' prayer here has some, it seemed like there were some threads of grief when you read it. Like he was grieved by certain things, because as a man, he grieved. As a man, he grieved. He was searching for a clarity here in, in the things that he was saying. Listen, make no mistake, Jesus understood why he was there. Jesus wasn't saying, well, I'm not sure why I should be doing this. I'm not sure. He knew exactly why he was there. I understand there was a human side of him and a spirit side of him. That There was going to come a point that Jesus had never been separate in spirit. And now for that body to die and that man to take the sin of the world on, there was going to have to be a separation of spirit and humanity. Because had, God's not going to entertain, God is not going to converse with sin, God's not going to have fellowship with sin. So we understand that when Je- he's, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? There had to be that point point in that place. This is prior to that, and understand that Jesus knew this was coming. Uh, quite often we talk about, uh, and it's very, very, you know, when Jesus was beaten, all the things he went through to get to the cross, and we forget about Gethsemane. But Gethsemane is where the cross really started. It's where the pain and suffering really started. It's where that separation really started. Because that prayer that he had was what? If, if, if you can allow this, that human side, if you can allow this, let this cup. What cup? The cup of all the sewage of the sin that he was about to partake for all of humanity for all time. You're talking about billions upon billions upon trillions of sins he was about to take upon himself. And so... He knew there was coming a separation. Not only was there a separation, but the dirt and the filth that he never partook of, that he never succumbed to, was now going to be, he would, not only was going to take it on him, but the Bible says he became sin that knew no sin. Aren't you glad you don't become your sin? Because you don't. You don't become your sin unless you just live in it and live in it and live in it and live in it and live in it, and, in it, and it's who you are. Your sin's not who you are. You understand that, right? It's what you do. There's a thing going on in the church world today that's crossing the lines of Scripture by saying, you know, this, this is because of this. This is who I am. No, you're different, but what you're doing is wrong. Not who you are is wrong, but what you're doing. Okay, somebody who got me off on that, Bishop, you get me. Somebody got me off on that. Let me let me come back. So make no mistake, he knew his mission, but as a human being, he had questions. What were the questions? Well, we've read some. We've known some of the you know the the questions weren't should I, could I, would I? Those questions were for you and I to understand the humanity and how he walked and that we can walk in that same humanity. None of us will ever be Jesus Christ, right? But we can walk in the humanity that he walked in. It's possible for the, us to walk in that same humanity. Now he walked in a perfection. And I'm not talking about complete perfection. I'm talking about perfection without sin. We can't do that. But we can walk in a perfection of completeness. Yeah, Because there's two different... There's a, there's a perfection in God that means sinless, and then there's the perfection in us that's completion. Because we, we can't be sinless, but we can be complete. If not, then the Scripture is incorrect. Because the Bible says we are completed in Him.
2: I've always seen this prayer as Jesus praying from a human standpoint. And the reason that he did is he stated, for their sakes, I sanctify myself. Mm -hmm. So he was praying with a poise and mastery under extreme duress Mm -hmm. for their sakes so that later on when they faced a like challenge, they would know how to behave themselves because right. it was for their sakes.
1: Right, and that's why making the statement earlier that it seemed to be out confusing. It seemed to be over here, but it wasn't. It wasn't at all. He was laying out a what, an outline. Can we say that? He was laying out an outline. Look, this is how, when you get him to come into duress, this is how you can handle it. When you come into indecision, this is how you can handle it. When you come into
2: question, this is how you can handle it. It's always thinking about those who are following you, yeah. not what you're going through. Yeah, exactly.
1: What if we prayed that way? Because that's the prayer he gave us. Uh,
0: this is uh, always one of my favorite stories in the Bible, not because of, of the obvious, of course. But um, it is the example, because you made a good point when you said there's a difference between uh perfect, and then, you know, was, how do you say it, com- complete perfect. A lot of times in Christendom, you know, a, we, a lot of, we get uh, discouraged. We feel like we can't do it because we always hear, be like Jesus, be like Jesus. And then it's followed up with, well, Jesus was perfect. And they always disregard the fact that Jesus was 100% man. And so when we see this prayer, even to the point, point of death when he was at the cross, that was always an example to me because it was like, no matter what I would face, as hard as it may be, even to the to the point of blood, sweat, and tears, it's not my will, but God, your will be done. Mm-hmm. So that means I put aside whatever I may want to do, that selfish desires, that selfish intent, you know, along with the outline of prayer. You know, I learned a long time ago, my wife and I talk about it. If you really want to see God move in your situation, stop praying about your situation and pray for some someone right. else. Right, right. That's... That's the key right there. That's the key right there because that's what Jesus did, and so. Mm -hmm. uh, But I've never heard the whole distinction with the perfection and complete perfection Mm -hmm. because that's that separates it. That makes it so much more relatable as well because our completeness and our perfection, like Christ, is not to be without sin, but to walk in the example that He gave us, and that's you know that that if if anything, if anybody was hindered by that or have been dealing with that. That should have lifted a heavy weight off your shoulders right yeah. there. Yeah.
1: If he if he expects completion without sin, we're all in trouble. Nobody makes it. So,
3: so okay. Let me make up a story. So I'm with a friend. So I'm with a friend, and she's raging about my daughter committed suicide, how... Would God allow that? Uh, and she wants God to explain himself to her. And until he explains himself to her, she's not going to do the thing she was doing. And she feels like that she's been uh, offended by God. Mm-hmm. And like, I think about that sometimes. Now, I grew up in a very strict Roman tradition where we were just taught. You don't. You don't you're never mad at God he's drilled in you early you always divert your anger you never ask for explanations so all of that feels or maybe doesn't feel but here Mm -hmm. uh, you know I want to be like do you realize how disrespectful that is I mean is it okay to question God
1: it's okay to question God. Here's the thing. You just made some statements there. Uh, God doesn't have a problem with questions, but in, in, in the generality of what you're saying, is that person wanting God to, let, let me stop and say this, God doesn't have to explain himself to anyone. And here's, here's why. It's not because he's God, because if he ever does, you're going to be so blown away, you're going to die. If he's going to explain to you this whole situation of why your child committed suicide, you're going to be blown away by it because it goes way beyond you. It goes way beyond you, and you're not going to be able to fathom it. That's why God doesn't have to explain himself. The other thing is he is God, and he's not required to explain anything, just like he's never required and never did prove himself to anybody. He he doesn't prove that he's God. He, he's proved in that he is God but he doesn't prove his existence and so he doesn't have to he doesn't have to explain any situation because that situation goes way beyond you that's it, like her if you're making the story up the situation goes way beyond her or her son and for him to explain that number one she couldn't understand it it's too you know if I, I, Lord why did my mom and dad die it's so well it's because death is part of our life but it goes beyond death is all a part of our life and we can't fathom that experience and understand what god's trying to say
2: god couldn't explain it it's her free will yeah it's his free will to take his life yeah god had nothing to do with it yeah not a thing to do with but, it. but but they want to blame him but he would not yeah. violate their free will their yeah. choice was i'm going to end my life
1: yeah god said okay, okay. but they want to blame god right for allowing it to happen so god i want you to give me free will but i'm mad at you because you gave me free will Yeah. i think it
0: could be explained more your kid gets cancer and dies of cancer that's more makes you think more mm-hmm. than commit suicide you know they right they didn't deserve that and why why did you do that god that's where i see yeah. a lot of it you know why did why did mom get cancer yeah why did mom die of covid
1: yeah, you know, and, and there's, God, God doesn't give anybody cancer. If I, if I get cancer in my body, I, I haven't eaten correctly. I've put substances into my body. There's things that I've done to cause that. I understand. God doesn't throw cancer at it. Well, let's try this guy.
2: My answer to that is why does bad things happen to good people? Yeah. There are no good people.
1: There you go. There's Say none it again. There's good but God. Say it again. He told me this Sunday, and I hadn't there's, forgotten it.
2: There's none good but God.
1: Right. Yeah. Bad things happen to good people. There's no good people. No good people. We, we consider ourselves good, but the Scripture says there's none good but God. And so why do bad things happen to good people? Well, they don't.
2: Time and chance happeneth to us all.
1: We call it life. Yes. The problem is people, you ever tried to explain life to a person? <laughs> good luck, because you can't explain life to people. You can't explain it to yourself.
0: with genetic deformities, you know, they didn't ask for that and they they're not bad people. They don't they're they're less than a year old and dying of this genetic disorder that mm-hmm. they had no control over and they're mm-hmm. not you see that's what you got to how do you explain stuff like that? So so, so, so the man brings
1: it here's my kid and look what well, this is what happened and I want I want you to tell me why this happened. And and he mm-hmm. said, "Well, Jesus said, "Well, this didn't happen because somebody sinned. Nobody sinned here at all." He said, but this is going to glorify the Father. So you understand sometimes things happen to glorify God, and oh, so God's going to heal him. Not necessarily. Understand that glorifying God comes in so many arrays and different things that this kid might grow up, and because of the attitude this kid has alone about his genetic disorder, and he grows up and he still comes, but he still makes it through life, you know, that glorifies God. So there's, there's a variation of all of those. When we try to... Again, when we want to explain life or we want to explain, it's not that we want to cop out and say, well, that's a mystery and God doesn't want us to know. No, no, no. The, the mysteries are, God, God. we're not to be in a mystery in the church. That's not a, but understand something. Uh, there's, there's, a, there's life above us we cannot fathom. And what this child may, this child may become the person that they couldn't walk, they were, they were like, but then they found a cure for cancer. Now, what would you think about that? We should have just done away with that child in the mother's womb. Or, you know what? We should have just not trained that child. Or we should have just, you know, that's just the thing that they got. They got it. They'll just have to live. No. We have to understand that every person, every person, every person that's born is that the parents are the tools, but God is the creator. The parents are the tools, but God is the creator. I knew you. Before you were ever, before even the, in those secret places, even before you were formed, I knew you. So, every person, regardless of the situation they come into the world, there's the potential of God's purpose. The problem is that they have, that child may have parents that don't understand that there's potential for God's purpose and lead them in another direction totally. There's all kinds of things that go on here. The fall, Adam's fall, is free will. Free will. God gave him a, God, If you can't fall, there's not a free will. And so the fall of Adam was simply for free will. God said, okay, you can do all this. There's only one thing you can't do. Don't eat of the tree. But you have the free. He gave him a. What if he'd have never given Adam a free will?
2: I think the better question is why did God ever create Adam? Because he knew what he was going to do. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Because he was the clam slain before the foundation of the world.
1: Yeah. So he knew Adam was going to sin before God ever created the heavens, and the earth, he knew Adam would sin. That's the, the pastor just quoted it. before the found. What is the foundation? What's the foundation of this building? It's the concrete, right? Foundation. Before this foundation was ever laid down, God knew. God knew you were going to be here tonight. Let's just see if we can simplify this. He knew you were going to be here tonight before the foundation of this building was ever put in down. So you understand, before the foundation of the world building, God... Jesus was crucified. Why is that? Because in the, in the uh, as we know, in the plurality of who God is, not the plurality of God's, but who God is, all these things He already knew.
2: Don, one, one aspect that I've always had is that, shall not the judge of all the earth do right? There will come a time. There's things I don't understand. Right. I can't explain. That are way above my pay grade. Yeah. But in eternity, when God makes it all, then I'm going to understand. Right. And I I will agree that God did right. Yes. In every action that he took. That you have to have that kind of faith in God if you're going to walk with him. Because if you walk with him, you have to accept his ways without understanding his motives. Because God will never explain himself. Right.
1: Don't, don't think that God is going to, it seems as though when we get to that other side and we know, then we know what we don't know now, that God finally explains himself. But that's not, or that now now I'm satisfied because I understand what happened. It's not that either. It's just to show the glory of God. He's not going to let us understand so we can go, that's why Uncle Jim died of cancer and both his legs fell off. It's not, it's not that, see, we, Right. it's way above us.
2: Way above us. Way above. Way above us. But He's understand eternal. this. It's the faith. He's infinite. There's right. no, There's He's, no getting to the edge of God. Right. There's no yep. reaching beyond the edge of God. Right. There's no knowing that.
1: He has no right or left, up or down, front or back. No. It doesn't exist. It's not because he can't. It just doesn't exist because that God is infinite. He's omnipresent. He's omniscient. He, all of those things. Things we can't. Listen. We can't understand infinity. We can't understand it. We can talk about it. Our faith says that infinity exists in God, but we can't explain it. We're not there yet.
2: He that cometh to God must believe that he is yes. and that he is the rewarder of them who diligently seek him. Right. You've got to believe that. got to believe it.
1: Dividing lines. Go ahead.
0: I was just going to say just even you know to bring it back um how can I say it even with God not having to explain himself nor will he answers of the questions cuz and this is from personal experience of what I, what I've seen through throughout my life even at the times where there's been a child suicide or there's been a stillborn or um a, a deformity of, of so, some kind of handicap. The anger that I've seen the parents and those that have experienced, the only way that they got through that, especially when they questioned God, God didn't have a problem with the question, but they had to be in, in a position to receive whatever answer he gave. Just like when we pray, God doesn't have to answer our prayers, you know, but there's never an unanswered prayer that goes out there. Mm-hmm. Now, through that, that means that you have to stay in your word. You have to literally, just like a marriage, just like, just like a, a best friendship. In order for me to understand an uh, inkling of what you think, of which I got to walk with you. We have to be in fellowship. We have to have a relationship. So even in those hardest moments, being in God's word, if I if I spend enough time in God's word and understand the relationship with Him, and work on the fellowship and relationship with Him, I stop looking for an answer and start believing and understanding that whatever may happen or come God's got me and there has to be a reason even if I don't understand right because like you said you know he's a reward of those who diligently seek him so through those hardest times that suicide that may have happened the mother may may be angry god didn't tell us that we're not supposed to have emotions you know that's an emotional roller coaster that that goes through and she may be upset but if she really wants that any type of answer or closure, because that's really what they're looking for. And you want to ask God. Well, get into His Word and talk to Him. But then don't stop talking with Him out of anger, like you said earlier. W- when we go up to pray, don't just tell God what we want and walk off. Listen, wait, because just like there's anger, He'll send a comforter. Mm-hmm. Just like there's sickness, He sent a healer. So just like when you feel defeated, He's He's giving somebody who gives you the victory. But you, we gotta be in that relationship, and we gotta understand. Because the answer, God's given us everything that we will all in every need, ever need. He's already given. He's not going to give us no more. He's not going to give us no more of his spirit. He's not going to give us no more of his healing. He's not going to give us no more. He's already given it according to his word. Mm -hmm. So everything and every question, no matter how crazy it may be, it's there. But we have to have that relationship, and we have to be in the word if we want to get that honest answer that we're looking for.
2: Has your child ever asked you a question that you could not answer because they could not understand it Mm -hmm. the questions we ask god he can't explain them because we wouldn't understand them his thoughts are so far above our thoughts and his ways are so far above our ways that's the faith that it requires to walk with god
1: and therein lies the the thing why the just live by faith while we walk in faith because it doesn't take faith to believe the possible it doesn't take take any faith to believe the possible I've got faith. That, that chair's going to hold me. I don't take any faith. No, I didn't take any faith. I'm, you know, I've said these things 100,000 times. Maybe not 100,000, but you understand what I'm saying? But, but it takes faith to believe the impossible. But here's the thing. You want to know where your faith rests. Cross one of these lines. Lose a child. Many of us say we walk in faith, but lose a child. That's when you're going to find out if you're walking in faith or not. That's when you're going to, I believe God, that, you know what, God has my best for me. He has my best for my child. You know, that's when, and now that's, that's where the rubber meets the road, and that's hard. That's difficult. So I'm not saying it's easy, but you find out. You, you now come to that, that, that particular line in your life where you find out where you are in faith. Because there's things that I believe God for. I can't explain them. I don't even know how to ask God sometimes. And God won't explain to me because he knows I'm never going to understand it. Because I'm saying, all right, God, you said it here in your word. I don't, how are you going to do it? I don't, but you know what? You said it because you said it. That's good enough for me. I'm going to believe it. Right. We don't, don't allow
4: ourselves to go further or deeper because we have this specific what it looks like, what it should sound like, what it should smell like. God doesn't give us that <coughs> <Okay>. peace, Lord. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> or I'm gonna do my own thing. Or you disappoint me. Or I'm angry with you, so I walk away. And then you walk away, and you wonder why nothing in your life is turning out the way
3: yeah.
4: that you want it. And, and I've been there. And I'm not saying that I'm above anyone. But we have to start looking at like you. We walk away. We throw tantrums, and we walk away. And then we expect God to deliver when we have not been faithful mm-hmm. yeah. I,
2: I'll tell you as a pastor, I've had people that had have had afflictions that came to me, requested prayer, we laid hands on them, we ignored them all, we prayed over, and we prayed over, and we prayed over, and we, prayed over and we prayed over, and nothing happened till one day I went to James and I read the entire chapter. Yeah. It said, if there's any afflicted among you, let them pray. Mm. If there's any sick among you, let them call for the elders of the church. If you've got an affliction, an incurable affliction, it's because God has given it to you for a purpose, and he will only give you the answer. Let them pray. Yeah, it's for you. Yeah. Just a quick question. I need to end here.
1: We got a little bit over. So you get a 15-year-old, and they come to you, and they say, hey, I've got this question, and you can't give them an answer. So 15 minutes later, they walk out with their suitcase. they got the keys in their pocket. I'm leaving. You didn't answer my question. I'm getting out of here. You can't. That's how we approach God a lot of times. God, you didn't answer my question. I'm leaving. Well, we don't do it that way, but we check out on him. We become less faithful. We become less in word. Our prayers get less and that's what we're telling God. I'm leaving, so we have to understand something about faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, hoped for, hoped not guaranteed, hoped for, and it's the evidence of things not seen.
2: Not seen. Not not that they don't exist. Correct. You just don't see them. Can't see them.
1: All right. All right. So I'm going to finish this next week. Any other? Anybody insights? Any questions? Any?
4: John 15 and it said 11 and it says, I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow and going back, you know, abiding in me, like no matter what, of course it's hard, but he says to abide in me even mm-hmm. then, I've learned to not just run or do my own thing anymore. Mm-hmm. It's hard, but he says, abide in me that your joy may remain. And that's where he sustains us. His joy is our strength that we're able to keep pressing to keep enduring. Yep.
0: Just to pick, I love this stuff. Just to pick, piggyback on that. It might be hard, but abiding in him is so much easier than being outside.
1: Yeah yeah, if you think it's hard in him, get outside and see how hard it. yeah, it then becomes extremely difficult. Extremely. Bishop, you have?
2: Just, I mean, I talked about this before, Job. The only thing Job didn't know was seven verses in chapter one and seven verses in chapter two. When you take those 14 verses that Job had no knowledge of, out of the entire book of Job, is 1.4%. God doesn't have to hide very much. To keep you in the dark. It doesn't take much. Not not much.
1: (laughs) Thank you all for coming tonight. God bless you. Look forward to seeing you this weekend.
3: For more information about Tabernacle of Praise, look us up online at tabernaclepraise.org. We want to hear from you, so be sure to connect with our Facebook page. We also have a free app that you can use to keep up with events or be notified of bad weather. And you can listen to our sermons directly from the app.